we're going to read together um, from just one verse this morning from Judges. Judges chapter 16, verse 28. This is what it says. Then Samson called to the Lord, and he said this. This was the, the prayer that we just prayed together. Oh, Lord God, sovereign God, it says in some translations, you're sovereign. Please remember me and please strengthen me. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Please remember me, strengthen me. So simple and yet so profound. You know, the, the last prayer that the, the college chaplain at um, Ashbury um, University offered before all the students started coming to the altar and all started happening there, you know what he prayed? He just said, revive us in your love. So Father God, um, we know that you hear our prayer this morning. You are a good God. You love us this morning, every single person in this room. God, I pray those prayers again. God, would you remember us? Would you strengthen us? God, would you revive us in your love? That's, all, that's it. We, we want your word to speak to us right now. So open our, our spiritual ears and eyes to, to hear and see you. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So we're in a series called The Comeback. And this has been such an amazing thing for me because... You know, this is, this feels like, um, you know, this season for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming through my own kind of comeback story right now. And I'm learning and we're learning that our whole story really is a comeback. The whole story of the gospel is the story of human beings intersecting with the story of God. And every single one of them has some kind of comeback. Everybody in the story of God has a comeback story. Can I just get an amen on that this morning? It's, it's the truth. That means that all of us have a comeback story. All of us. And if Jesus truly is alive from the dead, which he is, by the way, <laughs> and if he's here, and he is, because it says whatever two or three of you come together in my name, I'm going to be right there in your midst, right? And he's, he's God, Emmanuel, he's here with us. So if those things are true, if Jesus is alive from the dead, and if he's here in this place, and if you're alive and you're here, <laughs> then anything is possible. And so I know that sounds like a bunch of preacher talk, <laughs> um, but I want to ensure you that you're not the only person sitting here thinking, man, this is for somebody else. If that's you this morning, this is for somebody else. And the enemy has slipped in and, and deposited in a boatload of hopelessness into your world. And you sort of got that thing going on like everybody else can probably have a comeback, uh, but I don't know if I'm ever going to have a comeback. I, I want you to know that if Jesus is alive from the dead and if he's present in this place and you are here this morning, it is possible for every single person in this building to have a comeback story. Is anybody here with me this morning? So... It is possible for every single person in the building to have a comeback story. And um, wherever Jesus is, the power of Jesus is, right? And Jesus has incredible power right now, this morning, to free us and to restore us. And the message this morning is, you can always have a comeback. It's never too late. And so the story that we're looking at, particularly this morning, is found in the book of Judges, if you want to work your way there. you got your scripture with you this morning. About a third of the way into the Old Testament, the earlier books of the Bible. And if you land in Judges, this particular story that we're looking at is a tragic story with a beautiful ending. And it's, it's kind of this collision of life events kind of unraveling. Some of us feel like, you know, we're in that story right now. And, so, you know, something I think everybody in the house can relate to 
in some way or shape or form. And, and in this account, Israel's in trouble. And I don't know if you've read much of the story, but Israel was always in trouble in the Old Testament. They had this history and this way about them where God would work powerfully and, and God would provide miraculously. And then as soon as the coast was clear, uh, they would turn and kind of go their own way and do their own thing and start doing life the way they wanted again. And they would end up in all sorts of trouble and all sorts of difficulty. And, and oftentimes when that happened in the story, God would kind of, uh, you know, would allow them to become subject to another nation. That would be part of the story and allow some, some, some other rulers to kind of come in and shake them down and out and to the bottom so that they could then come up to the end of themselves and say, God, we've really messed up again. Here's where we're at, and we really need your help. And then God would pour out his mercy and his grace and his favor and, and his restoration on them. And he lifted them up once again. And, and this was the story of Israel time and time again. And, and, as, and as soon as it gets going our way, and then we end up in a predicament, and, and God will, as he did with Israel, let us kind of get up under the rule of somebody that we don't want to be under or, or in a circumstance that we don't want to be in, in a situation that we never dreamed about being in. Why? Because, you know, a lot of times it's because it's, it's a situation that we got ourselves in. That's a lot of times the story. Uh, uh, but God can then use that to, to shape us and to mold us, to squeeze us, to shake us down. We're at the very bottom. We say, God, I really messed up and I don't know what else to do here but to turn to you. Some of us have been there. Maybe you're in that place right now and then God can do what God really wants to do in our lives, which is pour out his mercy and pour out his grace. That's him. That's who he is. And his favor and his restoration on our lives. And that's where God wants each one of us this morning. And so for many of us to get there, you know, we have the story of we've got to learn the hard way. And, and we can wise up and we can take a more direct route this morning uh, by God's grace. But for many of us, we, it's like we, we just kind of go through the shakedown because that's human nature. It's in our nature. And that's where Israel was in this particular place. So if you look down um, at chapter 13 is where we're going to start. Verse 1 of the book of Judges, it says this. It says, And the people of Israel again... So there's our key word. Again, they did what? They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This was a pattern for them. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There couldn't be anything worse, by the way, um, if you're an Israelite than being delivered into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. This was very two disparate cultures. And, and they had to do this for 40 years. So the situation here um, that is this dreaded conflict that's happening. And I mean, even from, we can go back to when David was a little boy, he went up to serve his brothers and take them food. Remember this story? As they were on the front lines fighting the Philistines. Okay, remember that? And the other side, they had this secret weapon, this giant, this, uh, the biggest guy that anybody had ever seen before. Goliath was in the mix and he was, this, he was so formidable that even the men of Israel, the strong men of Israel were shaking in their booties, you know, shaking in their armor. And because of his strength, he would come and he would taunt the God of Israel. But then David comes on the scene. Most, most, some of us know this story. And he's like, look, I, I believe that God is bigger. 
That's, that's just, that's, that's what I believe. I've seen it, you know, and I, I might not be very big myself, but my God is bigger. And so I've been out there with the harp and the lure and I've been playing and I've been worshiping under the stars and worshiping at night with the sheep and I've seen the bigness and the grandness of God. He's the creator of all things. He created me, created you. And I've come to know that there is a great God who made this world. And before Goliath knew what happened, a rock hit him square between the eyes and he was down. And little shepherd boy David, he had this fierce streak in him and he drew the Goliath's sword and he chopped his head off. And that day, the whole army of Israel is carrying little David around on their shoulders and having a celebration because the Philistines were on the run. So that's part of the history. That was the history of the people of God and the Philistine people. It happened many, many times through scripture. And now again, the people of God have disobeyed him and, and, and he's delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So can I take a small time out here? <laughs> if you are in a really, really difficult place, maybe you know, life just dealt you a hard hand um, and, and God may be saying to you this morning, son, daughter, your next stop Maybe a place that you know you don't want to be. It might it might be a place where you've kind of even put yourself into in some circumstances. You've made some decisions and you've kind of landed in a place. But hold on, because that's the blessed place for you to come to the end of yourself. And so you can you could curse the place that you're in, the situation that you're in, and get bitter and get bent out of shape, and can and that can tear you up and that can beat you up and you can get worn out in the process. Or you can take a shortcut right now from the place that you're in instead of cursing it and cursing God. And, you know, by saying, can I trade my anger and hurt and can I come back to you? That, I mean, that's, that's the story. Can I trade in this, this hurt, this bitterness, this, this, this brokenness and can I come to you? And, and, and so you could take a direct route through the grace of God and the mercy of God and Jesus this morning by your own kind of act of repentance, which we know in the original language is metanoia. It's an understanding. It's an aha moment where we come back to God because he's good. So, but for 40 years, these people are under the Philistine rule, but God is a God of mercy. Can we just relieve that and receive that this morning? God is a God of mercy. That's who he is. God is a rescuer. God is, is a, not an evil or mean God. God is a saving grace God. And, and he wants to deliver his people. And so it says in verse two that God has a plan. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose, whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children. You say, why is all this in the, the, new, uh, the Old Testament? Why? I think it might be so we named that guy from Zorah named, named Manoah from the clan of the Danites and he had a wife who was sterile and remained childless because God is always setting up a comeback story. And so God says, I wanna deliver my people now from the Philistines, I want to restore them. I want to bless them. And by the way, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to raise up one of the judges. I'm, and I'm going to set a new leader over Israel. And guess what, Manoah? He's going to come from you. <laughs> and Manoah's like, I think he's got me mixed up with somebody else because uh, my wife is sterile and can't bear children. This is not going to work out. But lo and behold, right? <laughs> the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. And that's what she did. So this comeback story started with a comeback story. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And what it says to me this morning, if you're taking your notes, I know, oh, we're getting our screens back. But if you're taking your notes, is that your comeback story will trigger somebody else's comeback story. 
Your comeback story will trigger somebody else's comeback story. Your comeback miracle in your life will set in motion God's comeback for somebody else's life. We said that last week, and I just want to say that again. And and when you come back to Jesus, it may be God opening the door for a whole nation to get delivered. That's the story this morning. So when, when he's the headline in your life, it's always about him. And so his glory and his work on the planet earth. And so, so we might be sitting in a chair and the, and the first thing that we need to do this morning is just say, hey, this story is not all about me. This story, my, my purpose is, is, is you. It's, it's not about my issue. It's not even about my deliverance. It's not, it's not about that, but it is about God's purpose and plan in this world. And so this couple had a little boy and his, his name was Samson. And it says in scripture that the young man grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Verse 24 and 25, God was with Samson. And so I think most people, um, a lot of us in the room, whether you're churched or non-churched, we know this story. We can sort of jump to the end of the story. But there's two main themes that we see in Samson's life that were these, that he was born of God, you know, through his parents, but he was purposed by God to do something phenomenal for the people of God and to receive this incredible calling on his life. He was set apart. He had this incredible power um, in his life, the power of Jesus, right? Jesus was with him. Throughout the rest of the story that unfolds, he did amazing things. In, in one case, he killed a lion with his bare hands. Pretty cool, right? Um, in another case, he killed 30 guys by himself. It's, it's kind of, in, in, this, in this reading, it's, it's okay in the Old Testament to kill 30 people by yourself. That doesn't sound all that great now, <laughs> but it was kind of a different era and a different economy. And so, but he, was, he says at one point after the Philistines had done something really terrible to his family that he caught 300 foxes. You guys remember this? 300 foxes, and side note, I don't even know how to catch one. <laughs> but, but he caught 300, tied their tails in pairs together, and put a lit torch between their tails, and he sent them off into the fields of the Philistines. And the 300 foxes with their tails, uh, their fires burning down the crops of the Philistines. But, you know, who would have ever, you know, thought of that one right there? <laughs> who would have thought of that one? So, Samson did that. How do you catch 300 foxes? Now do you tie their tails together? And then how do you keep foxes down while you, you know, you, you put torches on them? And so the, this guy had unusual power. And, and, and so he took the jawbone of a donkey and he struck down a thousand Philistines with it. I mean, and, and so they dreaded Samson. They were fearful. He was Goliath to them. And, and so they were, they were shaking in their boots because of Samson. The, the tables had turned, right? And so they were fearful. He was... He was, uh, you know, he had this unusual power and favor from God, but he also had a struggle. And as powerful as God's anointing was in his life, in the same way he had a powerful struggle on the inside of his heart. And his particular struggle was, was a struggle with women. And it started out early for him when he said to his parents, I want to marry this Philistine girl. And against good advice... Um, he did it anyway because he was Samson, raised it up to be the judge. No one wanted to get in the way. And then as we see the story unfold, he has this systemic pattern of falling into the temptation of women. And, and so two things are rolling out. Two things. Outwardly, a lot of God's favor going on. God is using him, which is you know, kind of a mysterious thing for us to get our, he- our heads around. And then, but internally, there's this storm 
that's brewing and the winds are picking up and all of a sudden a hurricane is starting to form inside of him and it's getting over warmer waters and more destructive potential. And both these things are happening in Samson's life at the same time. Those were kind of the two themes. And then we started seeing the, you know, the conclusion coming. Verse one, we're going over to chapter 16, verse one. It says a little bit later in the story, Samson went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute and he went into her. The Gazites were told Samson has come here and they surrounded the place and they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night saying, let us wait till the light of morning and then we will kill him. But it says in the story, as you follow it, that Samson got up, he snuck out in the middle of the night and on his way out, he just grabs the bar of the city gates and ripped them right off of the walls. And he put them on his shoulders as he was leaving the city, kind of a way of saying, hey guys, uh, I wouldn't wait till morning. I wouldn't mess with me because I've got this unusual power on my life. It's like he's almost showing off, right? I've I've got this strength. But then the story changes a little bit. It says in verse four, after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the words, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and they said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Hmm. So a couple of, of little things here. If you, if you just back up and dig around in these verses a little bit, number one, says he fell in love with this woman who's in the Valley of Sora. And the only reason that's important is that the Philistines' land and the, and the part of the, the, the Israel's uh, land and the tribe of Israel, this valley was sort of in the in-between place. And it's just saying to us on your notes, on a really practical level, that there are some places we don't have any business in going. <laughs> Somebody's like, mm-hmm. There is, we know it. We know it. There are some areas that we don't have any business traveling to. But in this particular place, he saw this woman. He fell in love with her. And I'm sure this, this has happened a couple times before, probably in his life. We see it. It's kind of a, something that's happened. I don't think this was a one-off. I think this was the history and the pattern of Samson's life. And where he saw Delilah, he said, oh, wow. You know, I, I got to have this woman right here. And so she knocked, she, she knocked him for a loop. He fell in love. And interestingly enough, you know what Delilah's name means? Delilah, if, if, you, if you get down to all the little root meanings of her name, two words come into play. One is low and the other is hanging. Low hanging. In other words, it's as if it's clear as a bell. The enemy knows that Samson has this internal temptation going on. The internal struggle that's building force inside. And the enemy says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put some low hanging temptation right where you can see it. I'm going to dangle it right in front of you. I'm going to put Delilah right in your grass. I'm going to put Delilah right in view for you. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy is not coming to us and saying, hey, I want you to wreck your life, but you got to you know, climb the Empire State Building to do it. <laughs> the enemy is saying, I know what your weaknesses are. I, that's the, kind of the area I dabble in. I, I dabble in, in lies and temptation. I know that. I know what your particular things are, and I'm really good at putting low-hanging temptation. It's the next blank in your grasp. Some low-hanging temptation in your grasp. So Delilah appears when Samson's in a place that he really doesn't need to be in the first place, and he falls in love with her. So again, little side note. There are a couple of side notes today. 
Be careful who you fall in love with, right? Because once you fall in love with somebody, we, we know this, your better judgment can totally get overwhelmed by your emotions. That's the next thing on your notes. You can totally get overwhelmed by your emotions. And that's why it's important that you do not buy the lie that, you know, I know that she's not this. I know that he's not that. Um, maybe they're not God's best for me. You know, we kind of do these arguments in our, in our head. But you know what? I can work on that at a later time. And before you know it, your emotions click in and they kick in. And when they do, it overwhelms your better sense of judgment. I'm not going to have you show a raise of hands to how many in that room that's happened to, right? And all of a sudden, you're in a relationship with somebody that you know, you know, you're really honest. If you think about it, you would never have been in. And so, but Samson, he fell in love with Delilah. And now the Philistine leaders are like, hey, you've got to figure out how to help us get this guy. And so she did. And it's a bold move. I mean, she just went right out, came right out with it and asked Samson, Samson, I want to know the secret. I want to know the secret of your great strength. And you're thinking, Samson's got to be, wait a minute, you know, time out. I'm already in this territory over here. And you're wondering about my strength. Why are you asking about my strength? I wonder if you're getting paid off by the rulers of the Philistines, right? You've got to be thinking, he's got to be, you know, pondering. I wonder if this is a setup. But he thinks, you know, I can handle this. So he kind of plays along with it. And he says, well, if I get tied up by brand new bowstrings, that's what will do it. That's my secret. And she's like, all right. So he goes to sleep. And apparently he's a heavy sleeper <laughs> because she gets new bowstrings and ties him up. And then as he um, is asleep, she says, Samson, quick, the Philistines are coming. And he wakes up and he breaks the bowstrings and off he goes. And she's like, oh, wow, Samson, why'd you do me like that? Right? <laughs> Why did you do me like that? Honey, sweetheart, come on now. Why did you do that now? Really, come on. Let me know. You, you can, let's be serious. You know, we're, we're in this relationship. What's the secret of your strength? And he says, well, it's not the bowstrings. It's brand new ropes. If you, if you use brand new ropes, that would, you know, have held me down. And she's like, okay, sweetheart. All right, honey. Right? And, and he goes to sleep. She gets brand new ropes, ties him up. And she's, the thing is, she's got 1,100 shekels on her mind, right? She's thinking, I like Samson, but I like that, that, those coins that are coming a little bit better. And she said, hey, wake up. The Philistines are coming. He wakes up. The ropes fall off like nothing. She's like, you did it to me again. Come on over here, Samson. We're going to have a little talk, right? <laughs> you did it to me again. Now tell me. And he said, okay, yes, I have seven braids of hair. So if you take them and you weave them into the weaver's loom, that will do it. And so he goes to sleep and they get the weaver's loom and they start weaving his hair to it. And once they get his hair, can you just imagine this? I mean, talk about a heavy sleeper. <laughs> once it's all done, says it again, quick, Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, blows off the loom, smashes it into bits. You know, there goes one good loom. <laughs> I mean, he should have told her ahead of time. I wouldn't do that unless you've got a spare one, okay? Because this isn't working out. And so now three strikes and she's just mad now. I mean, can you, can you imagine? She's mad. She's frustrated. There's some trust issues. <laughs> and she... you when your heart is not with me. (laughs) 
And all the men, they're like quietly raising their hand, amen, you know. <laughs> I've heard that one before. And all the women are like, right? <laughs> so it says, you have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. Now you see what's going on here, right? You understand where this is headed. The enemy is a manipulator, he's a deceiver, he's a liar. Three times now she's been made a fool of and, and he's thinking he's got everything under control, right? He's thinking he has the upper hand. Uh, he doesn't know whom he's dealing with. And so it says in the next part of the verse, I mean, look at this. Next she pressed him hard. The press, the press is coming, guys. She pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. <laughs> now, don't say amen there, man. Um, <laughs> right? this, was, this is really not about men versus women. It's not that. Or even him versus Delia, uh, Delilah. Things are shifting here, though. And the picture is getting slightly bigger. With, with much nagging, she prodded him daily until he was tired to death, it says. So verse 17, he told her all his heart. And he said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak like any other man. And as soon as she heard this, when he went to sleep, she told the Philistines, you've got one more shot here. I think this is it. And there's no telling what kind of pressure she'd put him under to get that information from him. But Samson goes to sleep and they bring in someone to shave off his hair. And she says, Samson, quick, one more time. The Philistines are coming. And he wakes up and the scripture says, he did not know that God's power had left him. And he tried to do like he always did. He, you know, strains his muscles expecting whatever, you know, for in his own strength to be able to wrestle his way out of it. He tried to, to shake it off like he always did, but this time it didn't work. And the Philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in prison. So eventually the hurricane rose to force strength. And a major crash happened in Samson's life. He was called by God and he was set aside by God from birth to be a leader in his kingdom, a judge for the people of God in their time of great need. But yet now here he is crashing and burning with his eyes gouged out, shackled to the Philistine prison, pushing their mill, even though he had this great external calling an external purpose of God, an incredible external power from God, that internal engine, that storm that was brewing inside of him was continuing to drive him towards these relationships with women that were not good for him time after time, and it finally caught up with him. And now Samson's life kind of screeches to this halt. It's in this dark place, right? That sounds like a pretty dark place. And there were a couple things that just obviously kind of sift up to the top that I just want to settle with today. And some of this is very specific. Some of this is just maybe reading somebody's story today. Some of this is your script and you've already kind of a little bit edgy because you're like, oh, I know how this sermon is going to end. <laughs> but all of it, for all of us, I want to encourage this, it's very applicable. 
no matter where we're coming from. So the main things that sift up that I, I kind of caught that Holy Spirit kind of gave for me this morning and for us this morning in the room, the first one is this. Samson, number one, was always focused on the external. The execution of, of God's power on the external, the, you know, the, the strength of, 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 of his arms, the, the strength that God has given him in his an external body, but he missed out on the internal. Missed out on the internal power of God's strength. And so he was always thinking about God, what, maybe, maybe he was thinking about what God would do in somebody else's life, because we're, we're guilty of that, right? God will use that person. Don't think about God using us. Or what, maybe he was you know, more interested in what God was gonna do in some other situation, but he never tapped into the same power of God to say, I've got an internal situation going on with me that is gonna bring this whole thing to the screeching halt. Your plan is, 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 this internal storm is messing with it. And, and God, as much as I've needed your power to kill a thousand Palestinians, I need your power to fix me. He never got to that point. And, and so he was never able to get that place of saying, it's, just, it's not just enough that power goes out from me, but I need the power of God in me to work in me. And so that's, that's where a lot of us are living today. Many of us could probably say, I've, I've heard of God's great power. I've heard of you know, God's great fame, but it's a different thing to say, I've heard God can do great things to saying, God, will you do a great thing in me? I've heard of what you're doing in Ashbury at the college of all the college campuses and what's happening in there, but it's a different thing to say, God, would you do that in me? Would you revive your love in me? Before our our family moved um, from Rapid um, in the summer of 2010, um, our realtor decided that we really needed to paint the exterior of our house to make it more marketable because we were selling it as we were um, going on and neither Deanna or myself were painters. Um, nor had any experience in stripping and, and painting the exterior of a house. And all I remember from that summer is it was hot and it was hard. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't a very good sander. I, I, I would go out there and it was, that's, those are the two things that come to my mind. It was hot and it was hard. And I remember um, in, in the midst of all the hours of, of doing that, um, you know, scrape, 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 I felt like I was Karate Kid, you know, like wax on, wax off. I was just doing it and just doing it and just doing it. And in the story, we had this neighbor. He was, he was, a, he was a painter um, by trade at one point. He did some, I don't know if his contract work, but he, he never helped us, but he always told us what to do. <laughs> and so from the other side of the fence, he kept on saying, as I'm, you know, out there sweating and, and, and scraping on the exterior of our house, he said, take it down to the wood. Take it down to the wood. Take it down to the wood. And I hated that part. I didn't do it very well. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it again. It was hot and it was hard. <laughs> and he just kept on saying that. Take it down to the wood. Take it down. I, I got so frustrated. You know, I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to come down from this ladder. I'm going to take something else down to the wood. You know, <laughs> and he was just like, take it down to the wood. And I have, I have nightmares sometimes. Take it down to the wood. Take it down to the wood. <laughs> You know, we spent weeks, it felt like, I don't know, it was probably three days, but <laughs> sanding the house and, and never opened a paint can. You know, I'm like, let's paint the house. No, we can take it down to the wood. Take it. And, and the, the reason why, so, I mean, 
we know this, right? The reason why that he was so determined for us to take it down to the wood was that so that, you know, we could have come in on day one and we could have painted that house. We could have put some paint over what was on there, the, the paint that was falling apart and stripping off. And it would have looked fantastic maybe for about four months before that paint gets flakes off and becomes a bigger mess than what we started with, right? And it would have been a waste, a big waste of time and effort and energy. And that's what I think God's trying to say to us through Samson. Hey, you, you in this room, hey, I can do great things. I can do great things, but I want you to grab a hold of this idea. We've got to take it down to the heart. You can't, we can't just keep sitting in church, hearing sermons and sitting in Bible studies, right? At some point you've got to say, you know what? I need God to step into my life and take it down to my heart because what you see isn't the real deal. Samson was living this double life, right? He kept on going over into a place that he shouldn't have been. And you know, it's the same thing we do. We show up at church and we're holding up our church exterior, right? Our shining face. You know, I'm guilty. I, I, I walked through the darkest period of my life, two months of deep, you know, hard depression. And I, I got up here on this stage and I put a smile on my face. There were some of you that, you know, knew the story and were there with me and, and um, you know, thank God for pillars in my life. I'll share more about that in just a second. But, you know, we do, that's what we do. We put on an exterior and we're showing up in a, even in our connect groups and we're being a little bit vulnerable, but that's not gonna work. And there's, there's not gonna be freedom and there's not gonna be breakthrough and you're not gonna be able to do what God has put on your life unless you're willing to say, God, come into the inner spaces of my heart. Take it down to the heart. Hey, there, maybe there's a hurricane that's brewing inside of us and you know, you've gotta go all the way down to the wood. You gotta take it down to the heart and let Holy Spirit start working right there. I think the second thing that lifts up for me in this story is that Samson tried to hold out when in fact Samson needed to get out. <laughs> Samson was deceived because he didn't get taken out on day one and he was deceived by the fact that, you know, that he thought he knew how to play the game. He thought he was succeeding in this game with the enemy and so, you know, uh, he just kept on holding out. You know, I'm probably not supposed to be with Delilah, but the bowstrings didn't hold me down, right? And, uh, you know, I'm probably not in the best relationship for me to be in, but you know what? The ropes didn't hold me down. I, and probably not the best choice in the circumstance that I'm in as a servant of God to be with the place where I'm in. But you know what? The loom, it didn't trap me. And what the enemy was doing in his life was what he does in our lives. He says, you know what? Just because I didn't take you out tonight, don't you think that I won't because I'm a patient foe. And I'll wait you out and then I'll, take, I'll try to take you out. That's what the enemy tries to do, right? He, he tries to kill and steal and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his plan. That's what he tries to do. And a lot of us are living in that moment and we're kind of sort of managing you know, this life that we're living, this, this might not be the best situation for me. Again, I don't want to show a raise of hands, but how many of us have been in this place? This might not be the best situation for me, but it hasn't completely blown up yet. So I've, I'm, I'm juggling, I'm figuring it out. And we make the mistake of thinking that if the enemy didn't take us out on night one, then he'll just give up and go find somebody else. And you need to understand that Satan, the enemy, will wait you out and then make the move to take you out. That's his plan to destroy, to kill. 
And often we get in that, well, I'm managing it, I'm managing it, I'm managing it, it's still working out, you know, and I'm managing it and somehow I'm holding out and I'm holding on. And, and I'm just a human being this morning, but today on behalf of God, let me just say today is your day to get out. Get out while you can. Get out, it could be that relationship that you're in, get out of that habit, get out of that space that you shouldn't be in in the first place, right? Get out of that little valley between the people of God and the Philistine camp, that little middle ground where you've been kind of sort of hanging out. And you don't need me to tell you this morning that we live in a very challenging environment, right? A challenging culture. I don't know many men on planet earth who don't understand Samson's dilemma. You know what I mean? I have a feeling based on, you know, the relationships, you know, I've had with the men I've had close to in my lifetime that many of us somehow struggle with temptations and our thought lives when it comes to ladies. That we can understand this guy right here. And we've got all kinds of opportunities, right? We have smartphones that are always with us. We have laptops. That we, that we can understand this guy right here. And we've got all kinds of opportunities. We, we have them, you know, we don't have to go to Gaza and go to the prostitute's house. They can come right to our, our house on our phone. And I have a feeling that, you know, the enemy is probably even brewing some hurricanes through this kind of temptation. And he's convincing us that just because we made it through the night, we'll make it through the journey. Because that's what he does. He lies and he convinces us. He's, he's a deceiver. And this is just a reminder today that there's an enemy and, you know, he's very patient. And, and he puts the low-hanging fruit down just in the right spots. And if you do what Samson did and create an environment where there's, you know, no accountability for him uh, and for you, then you're headed towards disaster. And today God says it's not about holding out, but it's about getting out. So get out. You need to get out of, you know, that relationship today if it's not the one that you're supposed to be in. And you need to get out of that place today. You need to get get out of that bad habit today. You need to get out of hiding. You need to get out of the secrecy of the dark today. And and that little place that nobody knows, you need to get out of that. It's time to get out while you can still get out and come to me. Accountability is so interesting in Christian culture. You know, we've turned everything into a group. You know, if you want accountability, you get into an accountability group, but you don't. I say this because you know that I believe in and want everybody to be in a group, but you don't get accountability by being in a group. You get accountability when you say, I want somebody to help me and you open up your life. I wanna honor God so much that I'm gonna open up the door for you to be in this space with me as dirty and as messy and as ugly as it is. You are only accountable when you wanna be accountable and it's a scary, scary place to go deep, but it's freeing. And I know I'm sort of camped out here for a minute, but I think it's important. You can only be accountable if you want to be accountable. And no one else can help you if you don't want to be helped. No one can save you if you don't want to be saved. And you can even join an accountability group. (laughs) And they can't help you either because what they're seeing is a view of you that you want them to see. And even until you're willing to let people really see you, then they're not. So just quickly, you know, I, I, I had to let some people that were really close to me into my struggle when my wife first approached me for a divorce two years ago because I sunk into a deep and dark depression. And um, I reeled into this place um, just short of two months. And that was so foreign to me. I had never experienced that before. And I didn't know what to do. And some of you will remember, if you go back in that season, if you look back at it, I mean, I was preaching about um, 
depression. I was preaching about anxiety because that was what I was going through. And um, it was so foreign to me. I didn't know what to do. Pastor Derek, our youth pastor at the time, um, and Bill Boylan um, were two guys that were just in my inner circle that kept me grounded and kept me afloat. I mean, I mean, they, they heard all my stuff. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't pretty. It was snotty, crying on the bathroom floor in the middle of the night kind of stuff. And just being real, I was hurting really bad. So did, did you know that pastors can hurt too? <laughs> I mean, I hurt. Um, I didn't want to point him out, but I'm going to point out Pastor John too from Renewal. He was a pastor. He's, he's just worshiping with us this morning. I, I love this guy because um, he was a, a pastor in my life that just really cared for me. You, some of you wouldn't know the story, but, um, you know, I like to hike and I, that was, a, I hiked many, I, I climbed many mountains in that season. <laughs> and I was just mentioning that conversation with him and, and he said, you can have my camper and you can, I'm not advertising this for you all to ask him for a free week in the camper, but he did that for me. He did that for me and, and he blessed me and he opened, when I, when there was kind of this, um, encouragement from the district to not set foot on this campus because if you set foot on this campus then you'll have to pastor the church. So I, I, I obeyed that. I listened to that wisdom. And um, since I didn't have an office or a place here, Pastor John and Renewal Church opened up an office space for me over there at their church. That's the church. Amen. Thank you for caring for me. Yeah. So... I had people in my life that walked me through that and they carried me. That's the church being the church right there. They helped me up and out of the place that I was in. Samson was in a place that he needed so desperately to be out of. And what he should have said is, you know what? I'm on, I'm on the road to some serious disaster here and I've got to leave her house while I can. while I've still got two eyes to see the door. I've got to get out of here. The third thing that kind of lifts up from this story is that Samson became a laughing stock, it says. In verse 21, that the Philistines seized him and gouged his eyes out and brought him down to Gaza and, and bound him in bronze shackles. That's interesting, right? And he ground at the mill in the prison. And then look down to verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now, Dagon was a stone idol that the Philistines worshipped as their primary God. And this happened over and over. Do you remember um, when they captured the Ark of the Covenant? Where did they take it? It was this same temple. It was the same place. They took the Ark of the Covenant of God to, to that same temple and set it there as a way of trying to humiliate the God of Israel in the temple of the God of Dagon. And, but when they returned the next day, what happened? Their God, Dagon, had fallen over um, in front of the Ark of the Covenant of God because God doesn't get humiliated. <laughs> and so just a quick sidebar because this dad joke literally writes itself. What did the guy from the southern part of the tribe say when he walked in and he saw the fallen idol? Dag on it. Uh, I had to, I, could, I just had to, just let it marinate if you, if you hadn't, if you don't get it. But, um, sorry, you can edit that out for the radio. Uh, <laughs> um, so just, just another bonus thought for the day. If you have to set your God back up, you probably got the wrong God. <laughs> and so the Philistines prop Dagon back up. 
But when they came back the next day, after they had propped him up, he had fallen over again. But this time his head and his hands had been cut off. So somebody's been in there with a concrete saw in the middle of the night and they cut the head and the hands off. They're gone. Thank you, angel of the Lord. (laughs) And had set them on the threshold of the door so that when they came into the temple, they had to step over the head and the hands of their idol to prop it back up again. And again, if you have to step over the head and the hands of your God to get in to prop your God up, there's probably a really good chance that you have the wrong God. And, (laughs) but they forgot. So they, they had this big celebration and they're back in the same temple and it says they came to offer a great sacrifice to their God. They go on verse 23, it says, our God has given Samson our enemy into our hand and when the people saw him, they praised their God for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand. The ravager of our country has killed many of us and when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he entertained them. I don't know exactly how that went down. Maybe it was just him stumbling around with his eyes gouged out. Um, But can you imagine how joyous of a moment this was for the Philistines? Because Samson, who was the, the man of God, had become a laughingstock for the worshipers of an idol. And, and they just cheered and whooped and hollered and laughed and they screamed. Samson, the man of God, had become a laughing stop for the people. And I say that today because this is where it gets personal. Because if anybody is failing, then you know what I'm talking about today because many times what the enemy will try to do you feel like the enemy is making a laughing stock out of you. And then there can come a point where you can crash and burn and, and, and the people around you, it feels like they're pointing fingers, right? The enemy is, does this dance that he does. He, he, on, he dances on you with the dance of doubt. He dances on you with the uh, dance of condemnation. He's dancing on you with all kinds of shame. He's dancing on you with all sorts of ridicule. And he's saying, yeah, you're never ever gonna have your comeback. Look at where you're at right now. And so let's not even go there because you know that God probably really can't bring you back. And he's sowing doubt into your life. That's what the enemy does. Uh, and, and it's pushing you in more into this hurricane. It's pushing you more into the spiral. And every time you pray one of those prayers, if you've ever prayed this one before, Lord, if you'll do this for me right now, this was just this one time, I'll never do it again. It doesn't seem like that prayer works very often. I don't know. And then the happy dance starts with the one who got you into the mess in the first place. And he's like, well, man, you are the worst. You, this is what the enemy says. You are the worst. You are a sorry follower of Jesus. It, you are the sorriest follower of Jesus that ever lived. If there was a list of sorry followers of Jesus, you would be at the top of that list. So you might have gotten into the service at Destiny today, but don't get your hopes up. That's the enemy. And I'm here to tell you today that our, I, I just, I, I, our God is a God of the comeback. Our God is a restoring God. Jesus Christ is the comeback king. And, you know, I get teary-eyed because, you know, I'm still walking my story, but there is redemption in the economy of God. That's who he is. I love what it says in verse 22 of chapter 16. 
because there's always an intervening moment in the story of God. And, and, and as we continue in this series, we're going to see it again and again and again and again. Look at this. It says, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. And even after it had been shaved, his little hair is saying, we're going to have a comeback. <laughs> and there was a hair comeback that preceded the mercy of God and the grace of God on his life because what the Philistines didn't get, because remember, they're worshiping a stone idol that they've put his head and his, his hands back on, so they're not catching up really fast. They thought, we just shave his head and he loses all his power, and they didn't know that they'd have to keep on shaving his head. And so the consequences here for Samuel, they're very, very real. Bob, you can come up wherever you're at. Um, but the reality is that even in the consequences, God is greater than the consequences. I hope, I'm going to keep on saying that. Even no matter what the circumstance you're in, God is greater than the, circum, than the consequences, whatever it is. It doesn't matter the consequence. It doesn't matter the situation. And in the story of God, redemption comes in the story of anybody who puts their trust, hope, belief, and clings to Jesus. They will rise. And Satan can knock us down, but we're going to rise. And when Christ is raised up on the last day, we're going to be raised up with him. Amen? Come on, somebody. Don't let it be so quiet in here when I say that. We're going to rise up with him. Because we've never stopped hoping, and we've never stopped believing, and we've never stopped clinging to him. So listen, to, listen, listen, listen. If you're sitting in darkness today, he's the light of the world. And if you've fallen today, Jesus is saying you can get up. Let the church carry you. Let my sons and daughters carry you. But the hair of his head began to grow. And it says when they brought him out to entertain the people in verse 26, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them and now the house was full of men and women all the lord all the lords of the philistines were there and on the roof there were about 3000 men and women we're talking about a major colonnade in this place of pagan worship where samson was to perform for entertainment then samson prayed to the lord and what a great prayer it's simple but listen to this. He starts with, oh, Lord God. Some translations say, oh, sovereign God, the one who's sovereign over it all. Lord, Mike, why is that there? I think it's there because Samson, he's, he's showing us how to pray right here. Yes, the circumstances went off the rail for me. Yes, uh, everything goes haywire. It's gone in my life. Everything has gone that way. I've, I've abandoned the call that you put on my life, God. And I've gotten myself into a predicament. <laughs> the decisions I made, but you're still sovereign. Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, sovereign God. That means that the story of my life isn't the end of my life because there's a sovereign God over the story of my life that can still make some amazing things out of my life happen. He said, oh, Lord God, please remember me. Isn't that what the thief on the cross prayed in our first comeback story? Please remember me. Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me. How many of us need strength when we're in that moment? Please give me strength when I don't have any. Please strengthen me. He, he said it only this once. <laughs> please strengthen me, oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. He had some anger issues maybe too in the mix. <laughs> and Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested 
And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all of his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. So picture this, in his last grasp, God's power came on Samson and he came back. And the rulers were in this place when the temple fell, meaning the deliverance of Israel came from under the rulers of the Philistines. They, it, it, the deliverance came on the day that Samson had his comeback. This was their freedom story. What he had not done in his lifetime, he did in his death. Because even as messy as it was in the middle, our God is the God of the comeback. Amen. Let's, let's stand. Let's pray. Whoo, Lord, it can get messy. It can get messy. Lord, I want to just pray these prayers again. It's simple. I don't want to take a lot of time. But let's, let's pray these prayers, even at, as we've read in this story this morning. God, will you do a great work in me? I'm going to say that, and I want you to say it after me. God, will you do a great work in me? You say that. God, will you do a great work in me? All right, say this with me. Will you remember me? Will you remember me? How about this one? Give me strength. Give me strength. And I, I love that the simple prayer that the chaplain prayed in Ashbury. Would you revive me with your love? Would you revive me with your love? God's simple prayers this morning. But all we want is you. God, you save us from ourselves. <laughs> and you're the God of the comeback. God, we thank you for this Samson story and the intersection of his story and our story and your story in our lives today. God, do what only you can do. I pray for comeback stories right here in this house. God, in your mighty name, we pray. Amen.